Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Blaze Experience once again. You are joining us for episode number 44 today. And episode 44 is a return to State of Decay 2 once again. So we will be talking some more State of Decay 2. Like I announced in the last podcast, this time we're going to return to the base game. We've been talking about Daybreak for about a month now, you know, with different things in Daybreak, and we pretty much covered everything about Daybreak. But there's still some stuff in the base game we've never covered yet. And that's why today I am going to talk about the long-awaited Meager Valley. So we did previous episodes on the best base in Cascade Hills, as well as the best base in Drucker County. But we actually never did the best base in Meager Valley yet, so that's what this episode is going to be. We're going to talk about Meager Valley bases, and we are going to determine once and for all what the best base in Meager Valley is today. It's been a little bit overdue, but I promised I would get to it, and today we are getting to it. But before we get to talking about the Meager Valley bases, we do have some announcements as usual at the top of the podcast. So real quick, we are going to have our next episode on Wednesday. We'll return to our Wednesday episodes as usual. This week we were on a break because I was doing some other things and I was spending some time with family. But next Wednesday, we will actually have another Vigor podcast. Vigor recently had a massive update. They called the update 0.6. So we're going to talk all about Vigor's latest update. And this update really changed the game a lot. So we're going to go through that update and tell you about what's new with Vigor as it stands right now. So that's next Wednesday's episode. Of course, next Saturday, we're going to have another episode as well. But we also have a bonus episode coming, and that will come to you hopefully on Sunday. So the day after this releases, you'll hopefully have a bonus episode as well. And that bonus episode is going to be on Undead Trials. So Undead Trials is the next State of Decay community event. That event is coming next week. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week. From 1029 to November 1st, we will be having Undead Trials. This is an event that myself and Mr. Darts Broadcast put together. Go check him out on Twitch, please. He's a great streamer on Twitch, so definitely go check him out. But him and I organized this event, and it's going to be a really fun event. We will have a bonus podcast with him and I talking about the whole event. So we'll go over the rules of the event. We'll kind of go over... You know, the scoring, how everything's going to work. So that way everyone knows, you know, once and for all before the event starts, how everything's going to work with that. And in terms of me, I will actually be streaming three, four hour streams next week. So next Wednesday, I'm going to be streaming 1145 a.m. to 340 p.m. Eastern time. And that will be my solo run because Undead Trials is going to be both solo competition and a duo competition. My duo run will be on next Thursday from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern. And then also, I'm very happy to announce that on Saturday, November 3rd, I'll be streaming from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. And this is going to be part of the Extra Life charity stream for Undead Labs. Undead Labs is helping to support Extra Life, which Extra Life is a great charity that helps children that really need it. So... It's basically sick children and gamers stream and play games to help the sick children. And it's kind of a charity where gamers can kind of give back and help children that really need it. So I'm really looking forward to supporting this charity and there will be information for you next week during our streams as well during like the undead trials to help donate to this event if you want to. It's obviously not required that anyone donates, but 
if you have a little bit of extra money to donate, then it goes to a great cause and it really is going to help these kids. So definitely consider that if you have any extra money to donate to them. But that will be on Saturday. Undead Laos will be hosting a all day stream, basically, where different streamers, either Undead Labs developers themselves or streamers from the State of Decay community will all be streaming all day long and you'll get to see those and, you know, just enjoy that. And if you can't donate, that's fine, but at least try to show up sometime during Saturday to support the event itself. And in terms of the Undead Trials event that's going to be happening that Mr. Dart and I are putting on, this is an event that, like I said, is going to crown a solo and duos champion. There will be prizes for this event as well. We will announce the prizes officially on the bonus podcast, but we have them pretty much settled now, I think. So there's going to be surprises for the streamers involved, for the people that actually win the competition. And it's basically going to be a points-based competition. So we're going to reveal how we're actually going to work the scoring system, but essentially whoever gets the most points will win and the winners will get prizes. So, you know, show up to the event and support your favorite streamers and kind of just watch us compete against each other. It's all going to be in good fun. You know, it's not going to be a super serious competition where we're like going, you know, toe to toe, you know, aggressively at each other. I think it's just going to be you know a fun nature competition where we all just try to do the best we can. And whoever did the best, they they get their awards. You know, they win. So just come have some fun with us next week. And it's going to be a great week. I mean, we're going to be celebrating Halloween by playing some State of Decay all week long. And Right at the end of the week, we're going to have the Extra Life event for Undead Labs. So this is going to be a really fun week, and I'm really looking forward to the whole week. So I hope you all are as well. But without further ado, we'll get into that more on the bonus podcast. So we will get into the meager Valley bases on this podcast. So let's get right into it and start talking about the bases. And then after I talk about all the bases, I will rank the bases too. So We'll have a ranking from 1 to 7. There's 7 bases in Meager Valley, and I'll rank them, and we will definitively determine which is the best base in Meager Valley. But our first base is the Country Church. Now, the Country Church costs 500 influence. It requires 4 survivors to claim it. The existing facilities there, it has 3 parking spots. It has clearable front pews and clearable rear pews, which turn into small slots. It has a community food bank. This basically stores food and meds, so it stores um, an extra 25 food and meds. It has a watch post. It also has a passive slot called Gorgeous Environment. This basically gives you a morale boost because the environment around is so gorgeous. And honestly, it, it definitely is. I mean, the view from this church is amazing. And the open slots, it has one large and one small outdoor open slots. So... In past podcasts and about, you know, Cascade Hills and Drucker County, some of these 500 influence bases, I've kind of knocked them a little bit, but the Country Church is honestly the perfect example of what you want for a 500 influence base. Like this base is really defensible because with this base, you can actually get all the way up on the roof of the church and you can see all around the base at all angles. So even without using the watch post itself, you can go all the way around the roof and just see every angle of the base, and it's really defensible. And that's one of the cool things about this base is not only do you have an amazing view, but it's really easy to defend this church, and I really like that too. And then even the insides, the insides look gorgeous too. I mean, you have you know the pews, if you don't destroy them, those look amazing. 
You have a kind of like the long, elongated windows that you would see in a church where you can let a lot of light in. So the light just shines in perfectly and it looks really cool in the church. So this is a really cool base. And honestly, for the 500 influence, unlike some other bases in the other maps, this actually offers you a lot of value. It does offer you your one large slot, and then you have basically three small slots if you choose to clear the pews, which I would recommend you have to do, because, I mean, as much as it looks nice to have the pews in there, it's kind of hard to use this base without clearing them. So you probably have to clear them just to at least have some room to do some things. But, I mean, in the past I've said, you know, paying 500 influence for just one extra large slot isn't really worth it to you, which... I still stand by that, you know, but this base, I think, is a little bit different because this base offers you a lot more defensibility than the other bases have. I mean, even talking about, say, the bridge fort, for example, that's not as defensible as you think because you don't have as clear sight lines as you have with the, with the country church. With the country church, you have very clear defense lines and you can see anywhere you want on that base just by getting on the roof and looking around. With the bridge fort, for example, I mean, it does have two ways in, which is nice, but, you know, getting up there on that bridge, it's not as easy to see all the angles as it is with the church. So even more than the bridge, I would say this is a lot more defensible than the bridge even. And I mean, maybe it shouldn't be a factor, but for me personally, it is a little bit of a factor with the view as well. The view from this church is so amazing that it's just hard to not you know want to pay the 500 influence for it for me personally i would definitely pay the 500 influence to move to this base because although you're not getting a ton of value for just getting one large slot you are getting that really nice view you're getting a place that you want to actually you know drive home to and you get three parking slots which that's an upgrade from your original base you get an extra parking slot as well but like i said i mean it's also very defensible and if you get out that roof like there's not that many bases that you can get up on top of the base and see all around the base, you know, just by looking around. You know, there's a few of them, but this is one of the few that actually allows you to see all the sight lines you want to see. And probably the biggest knock, I would say, is the community food bank. The fact that it, you know, gives you extra food and med storage. I mean, to some people that might be nice, but for me personally, I think that's what you want the least amount of storage of because you go through food and meds so often. And you find it in the world so often that you don't really need a lot of storage for it. What you want more storage of is the things you don't use as often. So you want more storage for fuel. You want more storage for materials, maybe ammo. Those are the ones you want more storage of. Food and meds, you don't really want more storage of. So while I understand the concept of it, you know, being at a church, it just doesn't really play well functionally. So, you know, the church, I mean, I can't say it's like, a groundbreaking base that's going to be able to do everything you need. But for what it is, it's a pretty good base for what it is. I mean, 500 influence, it's pretty solid as a base. Moving on next, we have the Mazara Farm. Now, the Mazara Farm, it costs 1,000 influence, and it requires five survivors to claim it. The existing facilities, it has a well house, which provides clean water, a country kitchen, which provides knowledge of cooking, a crew house, which has four beds in it, a grain silo storage, which basically stores a ton of food, two parking slots, and then it has a passive slot, which is fertile soil. This basically just increases your yields. 
And then the open slots, it has two large slots, one small indoor slot, and two small outdoor slots. So honestly, for the value you get, you know, at a thousand influence, this is a pretty good value because there's some bases that, you know, would cost you 1500 and other maps to get that same value. So that's a good thing right there. It does already have a kitchen, so you can make your snacks, you can make your coffee in there if you wanted to. It's got very low parking, though, which is a big knock on it. I mean, only two parking spots, that's not really ideal, and a lot of bases can do better than that. So it's not very ideal for this only have two parking spots. So that is a huge knock against it. Um, the view of it, though, it, it's an amazing view, just like, you know, the church was. It's really aesthetically pleasing, and it's nice to be there. One of the biggest draws to Mazara Farm, though, is more than any other base in any other map, this is in the dead center of the map. Like, you could not get any more dead center than this base, basically. So, this is a dead center of the map base that's really going to help you out in that sense, because anywhere you want to go, if you're leaving from Mazara Farm, you're pretty much, you know, a lot closer to getting there than other bases. And again, the silo storage, storing a ton of food, I mean, that's not something I really subscribe to a lot, because... You don't need to store a ton of food. I mean, you're going through food so much that you don't need a ton of food storage. You need storage for things that you don't go through as much. But in terms of the slots you do have, they are going to get used up pretty fast. I mean, you need your workshop. You're going to need your infirmary. You're going to need, you know, a garden or something like that to make food. So that's three of those slots already taken up by that. It is nice that it has four beds stored in at least. That's something to get you started, but... It's not going to leave you a ton of options because it doesn't have any of those, you know, facilities you already need stored in there. But honestly, the Mazara Farm, I mean, there's not a ton that's like really bad about it. Like you basically have. And that's one thing I'll say with the meager valley bases. It was so hard for me to actually rank these bases. You'll get when I get to the end, because meager valley, I would say, you know, pound for pound. If you put Meager Valley's bases against Cascade Hills bases against Drucker County's bases, Meager Valley overall has the best bases, I would say, because even the base that I ranked number seven is still not a bad base. Like Meager Valley does not have a bad base. So if you're thinking you're like, oh, shoot, I picked the wrong base to settle at. You didn't pick the wrong base. There is not a wrong base at Meager Valley. There's no base that I would say like, oh, you picked that one. You know, you might not want to pick that one. The other maps have bases like that that are really not going to help you and they're not going to do anything for you. But Meager Valley doesn't have that. I mean, any one of these bases, if you play at any one of these bases, you'll have a great experience and it's a good base to play at. And you can actually make it viable for your playthrough. So don't think that, you know, when I'm ranking these after or when I'm nitpicking, any of these are bad in my mind. Basically, in order to rank them, I had to find spots to nitpick these bases just to have, you know, some way to rank them against each other. So a lot of the negative comments I'm making on these bases are more me nitpicking them than me really thinking they're bad, because I would be happy to stay at any of these bases. And there's definitely some great bases in Cascade Hills and Drucker County, too. But there are also very bad bases in Drucker County and Cascade Hills as well. So. With Meager, there's not really any bad bases, in my opinion. Which I know there's one base that people traditionally hate in this map, but... I mean, as much as people like to, you know, rag on that base, it's not that bad of a base overall. But we'll get to that base afterwards. 
but yeah, Mazara Farm, I mean, it's only got two parking spots, which you, no one ever likes that, you know, because you want more parking spots. You can make it work, obviously, by side parking your cars and things like that. The grain silo storage is not really needed because you don't need the food storage. The well house providing clean water. I mean, if you're a newer player, that might help you out. But for a lot of players, having the clean water is not really that useful to you. Having a kitchen is nice sometimes. I mean, some players don't really utilize it a lot, but it's nice to have it. But I mean, overall, you know, it's not really a bad base at all. I mean, for a thousand influence, it's got pretty good value to it. And it's definitely a base that I would think is a solid base. So there's just a couple things about it that, you know, I would change if I was making the perfect base. But it's definitely not a bad base at all. Next, we have the Clarington House. And the Clarington House is the starting base in this map. So it's basically the same thing as the other two starting bases. It's got your zero influence to claim it. It takes three people to claim it, which I believe, I mean, you always start out with three or more when you start a game. So I'm not sure if you have less than three people and you move maps, if you could actually still claim it. I would assume you could, but I've never officially tried it. So I guess one of these days I'll have to, you know, kill off my people and try to claim it with less than three people. But I I would assume you're allowed to. The existing facilities, it has a chef's kitchen, a master bedroom, a double bunk room, two parking slots, clearable trash, and it has two small outdoor open slots. So basically, you're going to clear that trash away. You're going to get a third open slot outdoors, and then you're going to have three small outdoor slots. And I said it on the last base podcast, I'll say it again on this one, Undead Labs did a great job designing the starting base because... The starting base, it offers you so much functionality for what you need starting out. And you can't officially end your game here because you need a large slot in order to officially end your playthrough. But even though you can't officially end your game at one of these starting bases, these starting bases hold up really well. And you could go several, several days at these starting bases and never want to change, you know, or never have to change. Sorry, because you probably want to change another base, but... You wouldn't have to. I mean, if somebody, you know, made a challenge for me, okay, you have to stay at the starting base until you kill all the play cards, for example. I could definitely do that easily. I mean, the starting base is very viable and it can really make things work for you. Even for a medium sized community, if you had, say, six or seven people, you could still make six or seven people work at this base. Now, it wouldn't be the easiest thing in the world. I mean, You'd have to supplement things with outposts, like you might have to get some beds outposts just to make that work, but you could still make it work if you wanted to. So these, you know, starting bases, I mean, they're not that much different from the other starting bases because they're all basically the same thing, just they look a little bit different, but they function very well. And for zero influence, it's honestly a great value. However, uh, the one thing I'll say is compared to some of the other bases in this map, uh, this starting base doesn't hold up as well as the other ones because in the other maps, there were some pretty bad bases, in my opinion. And because of that, the starting base looked a little bit better. In this one, the starting base looks like a starting base. So that might give away a little bit of my rankings, but you know, um, that's kind of where I feel about the starting base in this one. So definitely, you know, very solid for what it is. And I don't really have anything bad to say about it because. For a starting base, you want it to be something that can carry you to the mid game and sustain you very well. It does that. So it does its job. 
Next, we have Camp Kalunkwa. Now, Camp Kalunkwa, it takes a thousand influence to claim it. It requires five people to claim. The existing facilities are heavy trash, which is clearable, cafeteria kitchen, an old well, which provides water, two parking slots, a bunkhouse, a seating area, which is clearable, and it has a passive slot with built-in beds. It has four total beds built into the cabins. And the open slots, it has two large open slots and two small indoor slots. So Camp Kalunkwa, um, it's another one that for a thousand influence is pretty good value, honestly. If you clear away those clearable slots, then you have some extra small slots. So you're going to have a lot to work with. You're going to have two large slots and then four small ones. So that's pretty solid there. The two parking situation, again, kind of sucks. I mean, having two parking at a base, it's not really that great. So it's probably good that it's not 1500 because if I pay 1500 for this base, I'd probably be a little bit upset, honestly. Um, the old well, again, you know, if you're newer to the game, then having that provide water for you is nice. But if you're someone that has a little bit of experience to say to Decay, it's not going to be something that really benefits you a lot to have that later in the game. The kitchen, again, is kind of a novelty. I mean, some people, you know, use the kitchen a lot. Some don't. Um, I typically don't play bases anymore that have the kitchen built in just because I have other functions that I try to go for. But I mean, the kitchen is not a bad thing at all. So, but the passive slot having four built in beds that really helps us out because having those built in beds in the cabins, it saves you a little bit of work. So you don't have to actually build as many beds in your community. And yeah, I mean, there's not a ton to say about this one. Um, one of the other knocks I have on a personal level is all these, you know, slots, like the small indoor slots, for example, they're in separate cabins. So on a personal level, I don't like that that much. I understand why it works that way, but it just doesn't function well on a personal level because if you're going to, oh, where's your infirmary? Oh, it's in, uh, you know, the third cabin on the left. Like <laughs> it's obviously not that hard to find it, but it is kind of a pain sometimes that Okay, you know, somebody's in your game with you. Oh, where's your infirmary at? Uh, It's in one of the cabins. You have to look for it. And they go into like, you know, three different cabins before they find it. So it can be kind of annoying to find the items that you have. Or not the items, but it can be kind of annoying to find the facilities you have in your base. Because everything's not compact in one area. It's all spread out more. And it's all enclosed, too. So it's not like, you know, say the baseball field where everything's out on the on the field where you can kind of see it. It's enclosed in a building, so you can't really tell what's and where. So that is, you know, kind of a pet peeve on this one. And like I said, a lot of these bases are, you know, very viable bases. So I had to kind of nitpick. And that's one of the nitpicks I have with Camp Kalunkwa. Some other people might not have that nitpick. They might like that, you know, being more spread out. But personally, I don't like it as much for playing. And another thing is... This base is basically in the southwest corner of the map, and there's, like, nothing around it. So the fact that there's, like, nothing around it besides, like, the lake, which the lake does have, you know, a little bit of a secret there. I won't spoil that, but um, besides, like, the lake, there's not really a lot around there. So you can't really get a lot of resources there, and that's kind of what pushes this base down, too, is because there's not a lot to loot around there, and it's not really centralized in the map. Which, real quick, too, the Clarington House is towards the east of the map. The Mazara Farm is dead smack in the middle. 
and the country church is basically in the northwest of the map. Just to say where those are located geographically. But yeah, Camp Kalonkwai, I mean, it's not a bad base. Like I said, there's not any bad bases in this map, but it's a base that I wouldn't really choose personally because it's kind of divided on where your facilities are placed and the location is not very good because you're way away from a bunch of stuff to search. So you can't actually search a lot of resources. And not only that, there's only two parking spots. So personally, this is more of a novelty base that I'd, you know, try it out for a little while. Oh, look, I'm out of camp. You know, this is kind of cool. I'm out of camp. But that would wear off after a couple of days in game. After a couple of days in game, I would leave this base and move on to something else. Next up, we have Squalone's Brewing Company. So Squalone's Brewing Company is 1,500 influence to claim. Needs six people to claim it. The existing facilities, it has a water tank, which will provide you with water. It has a keg cooperage. This is clearable. It speeds facility builds and it acts as a staging area. It's got a primary still, which can convert food into fuel, ethanol or beer and convert ethanol into fuel. And then it has a craft still, which does the same thing. You know, can convert food into fuel, etc., etc. And it also has three parking spots. It has a unique facility called the tasting room. The tasting room will provide you with a unique combination of morale boosts and crafting options. So, for example, you can craft um, nine Molotovs for a small portion of fuel. I believe it's two fuel for nine Molotovs. I could be wrong on the exact numbers there, but I believe it's two for nine Molotovs, which is a pretty good deal. You have a passive slot called Brewer's Notebook. This gives you knowledge of chemistry. And then open slots, it has one large slot, three small indoor slots, and two small outdoor slots. So Squalone's Brewing Company is one of the better bases in Meager Valley, I would say. Um, one of the knocks against it is, you know, fairly obvious that people might point out it only has one large slot. So that is one of the knocks against it. But I'll, I'll tell you why that doesn't matter as much. Because for large slots, a lot of the time, if you're, you know, an experienced player, one of your large slots is going to be a staging area. Because that staging area... That covers the cost of all your facilities that are costing you materials. So if you have a facility that gives you minus one materials per day, if you have another facility that gives you minus one materials per day, that can add up pretty fast and you could be losing a lot of materials. So say say you added those things up and you get, you know, minus three materials per day. If you have a staging area, that covers all of that and you don't have to worry about, you know, your facilities taking up materials. So basically that staging area will bring that back to zero and you wouldn't be spending any materials per day on those facilities. So for a lot of experienced players, in their bases, they're going to have a staging area automatically because that staging area makes it so they're not losing materials. And the keg cooperage, this is clearable, but I'm going to say right now, do not clear it. It's clearable, so you can clear it if you want to, and you can make a large slot, which this is one of the only things in State of Decay that you can clear for a large slot, by the way. Or most of the clearable slots are small slots, but this one you can clear for a large slot. However, I'm recommending you don't ever do that because for one, this acts as a staging area automatically. So you're going to be covering the cost and materials there. Number two, this gives you speed facility builds. So basically you can speed up your build times with this. And number three, I mean, the keg Cooper just looks better because aesthetically, you could, if you clear this and you make a staging area anyways, 
the keg cooperage looks better than a regular staging area would. So there's really no reason to ever clear this. And because of that, the fact that it only has one large slot doesn't matter as much because basically you already have your staging area built in, essentially. So if you already have your staging area built in, you have one of the large slots to use. So obviously it's not, you know, the most large slots in the world, but it's still very useful. And for example, in this map, I'm currently at this base and I'm definitely making it work very easily. I mean, you can easily make this work and make it viable where you're not losing anything per day. Like in my one large slot right now, I have a farm. I have a farm level two and I'm using a compost bin, boosting the yields of that farm. So basically that farm's taking care of my needs. But the other cool thing about this base is the red talent facilities that were just created for the Daybreak DLC. You can actually get the achievement at this base because there's one achievement where you have to build all four new facilities, not counting the clear relay. So they were talking your red talent bunk room. You're talking your red talent watchtower, your red talent workshop and your officer quarters. You have to build all four of those in one base to get the achievement. This is one of the few bases you can actually do that in because you need two small indoor slots and two small outdoor slots in order to do that. This base has that. So you can do it in this base. And there's not a lot of bases that can do that. Like um, one of the bigger bases in this map, you can't do that because it doesn't have the indoor slots. So a lot of bases don't have two small indoor slots. And that's why a lot of bases can't do that achievement. So if you're looking for that achievement, this is somewhere you can get it. Now, the three parking slots, I mean, it's definitely better than some other bases have. But it's it's obviously not ideal ideal. I mean, you want four ideally. But it's definitely not horrible. You know, it's not two, so it's better than two at least. And these stills, I mean, I think it's just for aesthetic reasons they have the primary still and the craft still because they don't do anything different. So I don't really understand why there's two stills in terms of functionality, but, you know, they're there. I mean, I guess per se you could, you know, use one still to convert food into feel and then use another still to convert ethanol into feel or something, but... So I guess you could do both at once to create more feel or something like that if you wanted to. Or, you know, use one to create beer and use one to create feel. But I don't think there's a lot of times where you're going to have enough resources to be doing, you know, both at once consistently. But maybe, you know, there's some players out there that are using both consistently and just, you know, pumping out tons and tons of feel or pumping out, you know, tons of beer that they can sell to traders. But for me personally, I usually use one, so I don't usually use both at once. What's interesting, though, is this tasting room. Honestly, that tasting room is a very unique facility, and it's not something you can find anywhere else in the game in any map, so it's really unique to this base. And it can provide you some extra morale boosts, and the crafting options are actually pretty good. You know, creating nine Molotovs like that, that's pretty cheap for how much you have to spend for it. You know, if you have some extra fuel, you can just get rid of it by creating a bunch of Molotovs. And that's really cool, actually. And the Brewer's Notebook, um, giving you knowledge of chemistry. I mean, the knowledge of chemistry, I'm not, you know, hugely concerned with. But it's nice that it gives it to you, at least. But yeah, honestly, you know, the, the Brewing Company is honestly one of the best bases, I mean, in this map. It, the biggest knock on it is probably that it only has one large slot and that it has three parking spots instead of four. But... Overall, the brewing company is something that you can really sustain a playthrough for a very long time. I mean, if you want to do a playthrough of 100 days of the brewing company, you can absolutely do that. No problems asked. So you can, you know, I have a 10 person community there right now. 
And my 10-person community is perfectly fine at the brewing company. I'm not losing any materials per day. I'm not losing any food per day. I'm not losing any fuel per day. So you can sustain a huge community at this base. You don't need, you know, the 3,500 bases just to have a big community. You can do it at the smaller bases. It just has to be the right base in order to do it properly. But yeah, the brewing company is amazing, and I would definitely give that one a try. Next up, we have the Rural Police Station. And this is another base that is one of the better bases in this map, and it's really awesome, honestly. It's a thousand influence to claim it. It requires five people to claim it. The existing facilities has four parking spots. It has a police armory, which allows you to make ammo and throw consumables. It has secure lockers, which gives you fire-safe storage. It has a checkpoint, which is basically the same thing as a watchtower. It has doorless cells, which provide four beds and a morale penalty. And then for open slots, it has two large slots, one small indoor slot, and two small outdoor slots. Now, for a 1,000 influence, you can't get much better value than this. I mean, it has four parking slots, which that's amazing in itself. You know, a 1,000 influence for four parking slots, that's great. I mean, we just talked about some of the bases that had a 1,000 influence for only two parking spots. Or Squellones, you know, that only had... That only had three parking spots and you pay 1500 for it. So having four parking spots is really nice for this World Police Station. And the checkpoint, I mean, it's basically the same thing as a washtower pretty much. You know, it's not um, hugely important. The fire stay storage, though, having that automatically built in, that's really key because, in my opinion, the fire stay storage is the best one you can have because having that extra storage of ammo and fuel those are things you want to store extra of. You don't really want to store extra food and meds. The doorless cells, I mean, the morale penalty, I wouldn't really worry about that that much. And the fact that it provides you four beds at the start, you know, that's solid. Some bases don't provide you any beds at the start, so that's very solid indeed. In terms of open slots, I mean, you have three small slots and two large, so you can't go wrong with that either. I mean, those are great, you know, options for slots, and that's definitely great there as well. But... The kicker with this base that I didn't specifically mention yet because I was mentioned waiting for last is the police armory. You can make ammo and throw consumables here. And especially for players that are newer, this is huge. And this is a game changer because if you're a newer player, you know, a lot of the experienced players probably have the rifle ammo mod. They already have, you know, the handgun ammo press. They already have the heavy duty ammo press. But if you're a newer player, you don't have all those presses yet. So you know, for anyone this experienced, think back to when you didn't have all those presses and you couldn't make whatever ammo you wanted. Well, that's why this armory in here is so key and it's really nice for newer players because I remember when I was still a newer player at this game and I didn't have some presses yet, I could use this armory to make any ammo I wanted. It was really nice because I think early on I was missing like, I think I was missing like the shotgun ammo press at one point and I was using this armory to make shotgun ammo, so it's really nice. So that is really key, and even for experienced players, it's it's still valuable for experienced players because even for someone like me, I have all the presses, but this is so much easier to just use the armory and not have to, okay, I got to uninstall this mod from my workshop. I got to reinstall the shotgun ammo press. All right, now I have to uninstall the shotgun ammo press. Now I have to install the rifle ammo press. You know, it's a lot less tedious to just use the police armory. So it's very viable for experienced players as well. And honestly, I mean, 
I can't think of really anything bad to nitpick about the rural police station. I've been trying and, you know, before I started recording, I've been trying to think of nitpicks for all of these and it kind of tips my hand a little bit, but I I can't think of too much to nitpick about this. I mean, it's got your four parking spots. You know, it's got two large slots. It's got three small, small slots as well. It's got a police armory for you. It has the best storage that is available in the game, in my opinion. So there's not really much more I wanted a base, and this is a great base for sure. I mean, one of the things is it won't allow you to do like a full red talon base because it doesn't have the two small indoor slots. So, for example, if you wanted to have, you know, a red talon bunk room and a red talon workshop and an officer quarters all in your base, you really can't do that because you don't have the indoor space for it. So that's one knock is that you can't make like a full red talon base if you wanted. And you also can't get that achievement for the red talon achievement. But I mean, you could just get the achievement somewhere else and then move here if you wanted to. All right. But last but not least, we have Whitney Field. Now, Whitney Field is the base that it seems like a lot of people trash on a lot of times. And I think this was, you know, early on when the game first came out. I think why the Whitney Field got a little bit of flack from some community members is because compared to the other big bases, the abandoned strip mall and the container fort, it seems like Whitney Field is a worse base. Which I'll go on record of saying compared to those other two that we just talked about, this is a worse base in my opinion. But it's not as horrible as people make it out to be. It's It costs 3,500 influence and needs eight people to claim it. The existing facilities has shelter beds level two, outdoor beds level one, outdoor beds level two, four parking spots, two sets of fortified bleachers, which are reinforced with scavenged junk and they basically act as a lookout point. It has an announcer box, which is a unique facility that can draw zombies in or blast white noise to hide from them. It's got open slots, three large slots, and two small outdoor slots. And honestly, the Whitney Field isn't a horrible base, but for the value, it's not great value because 3,500 influence for this, it's not any kind of value that you're really going to want. I mean, let's just look at the bed situation. You got way too many built-in beds already. You have shelter beds level two. Outdoor beds level one, outdoor beds level two. That's a lot of built-in beds that you could you could be using that space for something else. Same with the fortified bleachers, you know. Aesthetically, this stuff might look nice, but functionally, it doesn't offer you a lot of functionality. And the announcer box, it, it's kind of a nice feature, but basically, if you're looking for a fight, it's kind of nice, you know, bring the fight to you automatically. But other than that, it's not anything that's going to, you know, change things a lot for you. So I understand why people give this base some flack, because for 3,500 influence, you're not really getting much of anything that's going to do a lot for you. Maybe one of the only good things I can say, you know, about this base is it does have three large slots and three large slots is kind of rare a little bit. I mean, obviously, you can get that at a big base, but but I mean... Whitney Field is one of only two bases in the game that offers you three large slots. The other one is obviously the Barricaded Strip Mall. So basically you have to use the Barricaded Strip Mall or Whitney Field if you want the large slots. So in that respect, it is nice that it has large slots available to you. But just comparing it to Barricaded Strip Mall, for example, Barricaded Strip Mall already has a built-in infirmary. It 
already has a built-in Taekwondo gym. It already has a built-in latrine. Like it has all this stuff built in already. And then you get three large slots on top of that. So the existing stuff for Whitney Field, it doesn't offer you enough for existing facilities to make it viable. Because with the container fort, for example, the container fort offers you a lot of open space to choose what you want to do. The barricaded strip mall, that doesn't offer you a lot of choices, but it offers you a lot of built-in stuff already. Whitney Field kind of drops the ball on both accounts because not only does it not offer you a lot of choices what to do, it also doesn't really offer you anything viable that's built in already either. Because, for example, with the container fort, it already has eight beds built in passively, and it offers you a lot more space. But with Whitney Field, you you have three large slots and two small outdoor slots. I mean, you kind of want more small slots, honestly, because only two small outdoor slots you're kind of hard pressed. I mean, you need an infirmary and you need a workshop. So basically there's your slots. Like you can't really build anything else with your small slots because you need a workshop and you need an infirmary. So, I mean, you're basically done for unless you have the sheriff leader and you make a field hospital. That's probably one of the only ways you can get around that. So it, it kind of sucks in that sense. And also you can't use this to get the rich challenge achievement either with the four facilities in there because it has no small indoor slots. So I understand why people give the flack on this base because for 3500 it's a horrible, you know, it's a horrible deal. Like for 3500 I could do so much more with 3500 influence in the game than buying this base. So I don't recommend this base except to just try it out, you know, once basically, and that's about it. But I think for Meager Valley, there's a lot of other bases that are, you know, more suited. Now, I'm not saying this is a bad base. You know, it's definitely a base that you can play your end game at and you can win at the end game. But it's a base that does not offer you any value that you want for 3500. There's bases that are 1000 or 1500 that offer you so much more value than this does. Heck, even even if you make the other bases in this map 3500 costs, I would still pick those bases for 3500 over this base just because they offer you more options. So. That's my personal opinion on that, but Whitney Field, it, basically my stance at Whitney Field is it's not as bad as some people complained about, but it's also, it's definitely not good either, though. It's definitely the worst base out of the big bases, and it's definitely not top tier in this map either. All right, now we've covered all seven bases, so we'll get into our rankings. So number seven is the Clarington House. The Clarington House is your starting base, and... Unlike the other maps where I rank the starting base a little bit higher in the rankings, the Clarenton House has to be number seven for me in this map. And that's not a knock on the starting base in this map. I mean, the Clarenton House is just as good of a starting base as the other two starting bases, but it's more saying how good the other bases are in this map. The other six bases in this map are so good that the starting base actually is the worst base, in my opinion. And... You know, if you listen to the other podcasts, if you listen to, the, you know, this one, obviously, you know that the starting base, I'm definitely a fan of how they did these starting bases. They definitely did a good job with those. So number seven in this map is not saying it's a bad thing at all. It's just saying that the other bases are just simply better. But number seven is our Clarington House. Number six is our Country Church. Um, For a 500 cost base, you know, 500 influence cost base. The Country Church is probably one of the top 500 cost bases in the game. I mean, 
you have other bases like the bridge fort, you know, you have other ones as well, but I would probably choose the country church first out of the 500 cost bases. Just the problem is when you stack that 500 influence base against bases that are meant to be bigger, it doesn't stack up as well because the country church definitely functions amazingly well for what it is. But if you're comparing it to, you know, a 3,500 cost base, if you're comparing it to a thousand cost base or 1,500 cost base, it just doesn't do what those other bases can do. And that's not a knock on the church itself. It's just, it's not meant to do what those bases can do. The country church is meant to be a smaller base and it's meant to sustain a smaller community. It's not meant to sustain, you know, a 10, 11, 12 person community, which if you're creative, you can probably make 10 to 12 people fit in that base and, you know, make it work for you using your outposts and using things like that. But it's not meant to sustain that. But the country church, I'll say again, you know, it's one of the best bases to defend because you can sit up on that roof and just see anywhere on the base. And it's one of the best bases for, you know, zombie attacks. So if you're getting attacked a lot and you're having a hard time defending your base, you might want to choose the country church because it's really easy to defend this base. Number five is Whitney Field. Now, Whitney Field, we talked about just a little while ago. Um, some people, you know, like to claim it's the worst base. It's not the worst base, but it's definitely not the best either. I mean, there's four other bases that I can firmly say the four bases on top of Whitney Field. I can firmly say I would rather choose any one of those four bases any day of the week over Whitney Field. Whitney Field, it's just really bad value for 3500 However, if you take away the value of it and you just look at the base, like say there's no cost involved at all. You just look at the base itself. It's not a horrible base. It just doesn't offer you a lot that any other bases wouldn't. Basically, it has a lot of built-in beds and fortified bleachers and you know, here's three large slots. Have fun. The only good thing to say about it really is it has four parking slots and it has three large slots, which there's only two bases in the game that have three large slots, this one and the barricaded strip mall. So that is something positive for it. But like I already compared them earlier, the barricaded strip mall just does so much more with those three large slots because it already has things built in. So I think what needed to happen with the Whitney Field is I think they needed to build in a facility that was least useful to you to make this work. You know, maybe um, instead of fortified bleachers, maybe they could have had the fortified bleachers somehow become a med site. So, you know, I don't know, a fortified trauma tent or something like that. Basically, you needed something built into this base that actually gave you a little bit of a leg up. Because if this base had a built-in infirmary, that's one small slot you don't have to use an infirmary. And that doesn't seem like a lot, but having that one small slot free for the player to choose, that's really handy because even though it's technically, oh, you have two small slots, you can do whatever you want with them. Technically, yes, but I mean, if you're an experienced player or even a lot of inexperienced players, no, you definitely need an infirmary. So, I mean, having one of those slots already taken up with the infirmary, it doesn't offer you a lot of choices. So I think this base should have had a built-in infirmary somehow. I think that would have really helped. But it, like I said, I mean, it's not a horrible base. It, it's not, you know, as bad as some people um, like to think it is. It's just not a base that is worth using in this map. And I think that's where 
lot of people let their feelings on it, you know, color the base a little bit more than it should have. Because I agree with the people that detract from this base that it shouldn't be used. But I disagree in saying that it's, you know, a really horrible base or, you know, going to those lengths. Because it's not a base that goes to those lengths that really it can't be used. So it definitely can be used. It can do everything you need it to do. It's just something that I don't think you'd really want to be here. You'd want to be other places instead. Number four is Camp Kalunkwa. Now, Camp Kalunkwa, um, I had some more nitpicks on this one. That's kind of why it's, you know, middle of the road for me. Number four, it does have that issue where your facilities are kind of spread out. You don't really know where your facilities are because they're, you know, in a cabin somewhere. So if you have friends join your game, it's kind of annoying and frustrating that, oh, hey, where's your infirmary out? Where's your workshop? You know, they have to look around for it a little bit more, which it, it seems kind of petty. But and honestly, it is a little bit petty. But when it's it kind of speaks to how great these bases are in this map, because if I have to get that petty with bases in this map, that is a good sign. And that says a lot about the bases in this map and how good they are. So the other big knock, like we talked about, is the two parking slots. The two parking slots does not serve you well in this map. So, you know, two parking slots for a thousand influence is still great value, but the two parking slots really detract from the space a lot. And the other thing that detracts from the space a lot is the location. It's basically in the middle of nowhere in the southern part of the map. And it kind of takes away from it right there. Which I just realized too, I forgot to say that Whitney Field is basically in. Uh, the south of the map as well, that's kind of the center. The rural police station is basically in the center north of the map. So like all the way up north, but in the center. And Squalone's Brewing Company, that's basically over to the east, but it's pretty close to Mazara Farm. So it's almost in the middle of the map, but it's over to the east. So I do apologize I didn't mention the geographic locations of those bases. But number three, we have the Mazara Farm. So Mazara Farm is pretty solid. It's a base that I would definitely be happy to stay at for, you know, quite some time. But one of the bigger knocks that keeps this one at number three is the parking again. You know, it has two parking spots. The location is amazing, though. It, having it right dead in the center of the map, that is a great location. The scenery around that is really nice as well because you have the river right next to it. So it's definitely great scenery. Um, The green silo storage, you know... It, Storing the extra food isn't really something that I'm a big fan of because you don't really need it. But I mean, this one I just had to nitpick a little bit. And pretty much, you know, for the most part, the parking is what kept this one from being a little bit higher because I really had to get nitpicking on these bases in order to make a ranking. And the parking situation here is part of what keeps it number three. Um, and then, other than that, it doesn't really offer you a lot of, you know, facilities that are helpful to you like the two that are above this you obviously know what they are now you know the police station it has the armory which helps you a lot the brewery it has the stills built in it has the tasting room it has the keg cooperage so basically when you look at those other ones those two above this they have interesting facilities that help you a lot more the mazara farm it doesn't really have anything that does a lot for you i mean it has the passive slot fertile soil which is going to help your yields but it doesn't have a lot that's going to help you further. The other two facility, the other two bases ahead of this, they offer you a lot more. So that's why Mazara Farm is number three. Number two is Squalone's Brewing Company, which that's the current base that I'm at. So 
I think for me, Squalones has to be number two. And it's kind of because um, it has three parking slots where the police station has four. It also has one large slot where the police station has two. And then looking at the police station as well, the police station has that armory where the armory is going to help a lot of new players a lot more. Where the brewing company has the stills, but the newer players in this game, they're not going to know what to do with the stills as much. So... It's kind of a no-brainer for me that the police station had to outrank this one because the brewery, I love it, and it's really cool, and it's very interesting to play there. But I would say the brewing company is something that you have to be a little bit more experienced to make work perfectly. The police station is something that is, you know, kind of sort of fun for all ages. You know, like you see that in posters and everything. It's sort of something that... You know, experienced players, new players, in-between players, pretty much anyone can make the police station work pretty well. The brewing company, I'm not saying a new player couldn't make it work, just in order to make it work perfectly where you're, you know, getting plus uh, materials, plus meds, you know, plus food, where you're actually not losing anything, you have to be a little bit creative. And the newer players might not know all the strategies to be as creative with this uh, base, so... The Brewing Company, I, I definitely love, and it's something that I'm quite fond of, but it's a base that doesn't offer you as much as the police station does, because the three parking slots is definitely doable, but four is better. You know, the Armory, the Armory is better overall than a still. I mean, the still can get you more influence and things, but the Armory, it just, even for experienced players, that Armory is better because that armory is going to save you a lot of time. You don't have to uninstall, you know, a shotgun ammo press and then reinstall the rifle ammo press. Like, you don't have to go through all that hassle with the police armory. You can just craft whatever ammo you want right there. It's really nice. Now, the brewery company has the tasting room, which is nice because that allows you some morale boost and crafting options, but it's not good enough where it makes it outrank the police station for me personally. But the other thing with the police station, too, which obviously, you know, number one is the police station. I'll kind of talk about them side by side like I've been doing. But the other thing with the police station is it has a fire safe storage. And obviously you can make that the brewing company. But the fact that this is already built into the police station, that's huge because the fire safe storage, in my opinion, is the best type of storage. And it already has that built in. So you can exile a character that, you know, allows you to make the fire safe storage and still have it. Whereas with the Brewing Company, for example, if you got there and you already exiled the character you needed that had the skill requirement to make a fire safe storage, which I'm blanking on what the requirements are for fire safe storage, but it might actually be chemistry, which if it is chemistry as part of that, the Brewing Company obviously gives you knowledge of chemistry. So that might be a mute point. But even if that is true, you know, it's it's still nice to have it already built in and not have to worry about it. So it's still better to have it built in like that. On top of that, the other thing too is the police station. It has four beds already built in. The brewing company doesn't have that. The brewing company has no beds built in already. So you're going to have to figure out that bed situation. I mean, if you're experienced, you can figure out that bed situation and make it work for you because I have enough beds for my people. I have enough meds. I have enough everything at the brewing company, but the fact that police station already has four built in for you, that's huge. So I don't think there's any argument really yet why the brewing company is better than the police station. I mean, 
the police station, just in every aspect, it outranks it. So I think the police station is absolutely the best base in Meeker Valley. So going through our bases one more time. Number one, the Rural Police Station. Number two, Squalone's Brewing Company. Number three, the Mazara Farm. Number four, Camp Kalunkwa. Number five, Whitney Field. Number six, Country Church. And number seven, your starting base, the Clarington House. So those are our Meager Valley bases. So hopefully that helps and hopefully that helps everyone, you know, have a better picture of what base is good and kind of what I think about them and why you should maybe not use some of them or use more some more than others. Honestly, like I said at the top and throughout this podcast, all seven of these bases are usable. Just I would say um, one through four are the ones you want to use most. The bases five through seven, the Whitney Field, Country Church, and Clarington House, I probably wouldn't use those as often, but um, they're still usable if you want to use them. I would definitely um, recommend checking out the Whitney Field and Country Church at least once, though, because they are cool bases to check out. But one through four, I'd probably stick to a little bit more. But just going through our news quickly again, our next episode once more will be on Vigor. It will be it'll be a podcast on update 0.6 for Vigor because the full game is not out yet. It is still in game preview, so that's why it's 0.6. Uh, we will have another State of Decay episode next Saturday, of course. And obviously, you know, next week is Undead Trials. That is going to be our event that I'm putting on with Mr. Dart. It's a community event that is going to be from Monday 1029 to Thursday 11-1. It's a solo and duo competition that is point-based. There's going to be some prizes for the solo and duo champions. So, you know, go support your favorite streamers. Maybe they can win and get some prizes. And then on top of that, we will have a bonus podcast coming out hopefully Sunday that will detail all this more in, more in depth. It's going to have the rules of it. It'll have who's involved. It's going to have all that information for you on Sunday. So look out for that one because the day after this releases, that will release as well. And in terms of myself, I will be streaming four-hour streams on Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Wednesday, I'll be doing 11.45 to 3.45. Thursday and Saturday, I'll be doing 1 to 5 p.m. And all those times are Eastern time. So just convert that to your time zone. But those are the times I'll be streaming next week. I'll be doing a lot to support this event. And, of course, on Saturday, November 3rd, don't forget that is the Extra Life charity stream that Undead Labs is putting on. And a lot of streamers and some of the developers for Undead Labs are getting together and we're trying to raise money for sick kids. So Extra Life is a great charity. I've checked it out and they help sick kids that really need help. So, you know, definitely check out those streams. If you can donate, great. If you can't donate, that's fine. But at least try to spend some time on Saturday, next Saturday, checking out those streams and just trying to support that and, you know, kind of creating some hype because the more hype we create, the better chance those kids have to get donations. But that being said, if you want to find the podcast, you're obviously already listening to it. But if you wanted to find it on a different platform, we're on Stitcher, we're on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. We're on Google Play, Google Podcast, Podbean, Blueberry, Radio Public. And we're basically on any directory that you can find except for Spotify. I'm going to try and work on that. But I will announce officially here now. We are actually on YouTube now, so I finally got us on YouTube, so check that out. You know, definitely check us out on YouTube. Um, 
You'll only see two episodes up there right now, episode 33 and 43, but I'm going to work on getting the rest up there as well. But we are on YouTube now, so go check us out on YouTube. The link will be in the description. And on top of that, we actually have a Facebook group now too. So if you want to join our Facebook group, I will put that link in the show notes as well. You're well, anyone's welcome to join. Just, you know, uh, request to join and it's a closed group. So no one's going to see your post in there if you join. It's a closed group. Just request to join and I'll let you in there. But we have a Facebook group now as well. And I'm going to try to get the podcast posted on the Facebook group as well. It's not officially on there yet because there's some kind of error, but I'm going to work on that as well. So we do have a Facebook group. We have our podcast on YouTube now. So those will be in the description. So definitely check that out. And I'm really excited to have both of those there. So um, definitely let me know what you think of that. And if you want to contact me further, you can obviously do so on our new Facebook group. You can obviously do so in the YouTube comments. You can do so on Discord. I'll put the Discord link in the description as well. Or if you want to, you can email me, theblazeexperience at gmail.com. And if you'd like to, you can contact me on Xbox Live itself or Twitter. My gamer tag and Twitter is the same exact thing. It's Blaze Experience. So at Blaze Experience, capital B-L-A-I-S-E, capital X-P-E-R-I-E-N-C-E. Those are my Twitter and gamer tag. So definitely contact me and let me know what you think of the podcast or give some suggestions if you'd like or anything along those lines. But I hope everyone enjoyed the episode. I really appreciate you listening. So thank you as always for listening to the Blaze Experience. Thank you.